Well, I've been talking about kingdom for the last three weeks. This will be the fourth Sunday in a row that I've talked about the kingdom of God. And I want to start this year off talking about the kingdom because it holds such a prominent place in the teaching of the New Testament. I've shared with you already that about 280 times in 260 chapters of the New Testament, you find the kingdom talked about. Jesus came, and when he began his ministry, he immediately began preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And uh, throughout his ministry, I shared with you last Sunday that after his death, burial, and resurrection, when he spent 40 more days here pouring into those disciples that he was about to leave the whole work of his ministry with, he talked to them about the kingdom. That's what he was talking about those last 40 days. You know, the last words of people are so important, we sort of hang on to them. Well, the disciples got a double dose of kingdom. Jesus had been preaching kingdom to them for three years. But the last 40 days, he really, really expounded on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And so it's, it's, it's such a, an, an important part of the uh, New Testament teaching Today I want to talk to you in this fourth message on the kingdom about location. Location, location, location. Almost sounds like a realtor talking to you, don't it? And, and that's what they'll tell you. Realtors will tell you that location is so vitally important. In fact, somebody was sharing with one of our staff the other day, a lady that had helped uh, start some pretty well-known restaurants in our area. And she said, I've never had a restaurant to fail until this one. And she named the particular restaurant when they asked why, what happened here. She said, location. It was all about location. The location was difficult to get in and out. And so the business failed because of a poor location. Location is so important. And so we're going to talk about location of the kingdom of God today. But first, I want you to review the text for this whole series. In fact, I want you to say it with me. It's Matthew 6, 33. It should be on the screen. Let's say it together. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let's say it again. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Praise the Lord. The first thing I want to mention to you today is that the geographic boundaries of the kingdom of God have not yet been defined or put in place. I'm talking about the geographic boundaries. Now, that's what makes it difficult for people to understand the kingdom of God. Because uh, every every, uh, kingdom or nation or country, or you can even divide it all the way down to your own personal possessions if you own property um, that that property is staked off I, I get amused sometimes at people who oppose the building a wall on the southern border if you go to the southern border of Mexico they got a they got a wall brother uh, most countries you know they, they they define their location and they protect that location and that's that's how they maintain their their kingdom or their government or their country or whatever you want to call it but that's that's the way typically that uh, that you see the boundaries of kingdoms but the kingdom of god has not yet been defined geographically it will be during the millennium and uh, I know that I may be throwing out a term here that's foreign to you, but let me just, without going into a lot of detail, Jesus is coming very soon, and he's coming for his church. We'll be, we'll be transformed, translated, raptured, changed in a moment in the twink of an eye, and we will go to be with Jesus. We'll be snatched out of this earth, off of this earth, and out of this world, and we'll go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. While the wrath of God is poured out on the rest of the world for its sin and ungodliness, the Antichrist will be ruling and reigning on this earth during that period of time. And it will be a horrible time. Seven years of tribulation. You read about it in the book of Revelations. Uh, But at the end of that, Jesus is coming back. 
And that excites me because when Jesus comes back, he's going to set up his earthly kingdom on, uh, from Jerusalem. Doesn't matter what anybody likes or don't like, Jerusalem is the capital. Amen. And it's going to be the capital of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus when he rules the world. And let me tell you, be easy, easy during the millennial kingdom. He's going to reign on the earth a thousand years. It'll be easy to define the boundaries of the kingdom of God then. You know why? Because it's going to be the whole earth. I mean, if you're on planet earth, you're going to be, you're going to be in the boundaries of the kingdom of Jesus during the millennial reign. For a thousand years, he's going to just the whole earth, the whole earth. Right now, the geographic area has not been defined in a way that we typically define geographic areas. And that's hard for people to understand. The Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, elders, doctors of the law, men who knew the scriptures, they could even quote the first five books of the Bible. That was a requirement for their education. Uh, in religion in those days that they that they could quote the Pentateuch which is the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy they had to be able to quote them and yet they could not understand this teaching of Jesus about the kingdom and so the students of the law didn't understand let me give you a scripture to back that up in Luke chapter 17 verse 20 now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, what Jesus is saying here, you're not going to be able to go out here and find a stake in the ground that, that determines the, the boundary of the kingdom of God right now. So if you're, if you're trying to find it, there's not going to be a sign when you're riding down the road that said, now you're entering the kingdom of God. He says it's not going to come with observation. You're not going to be able to see it with your natural eye like that. Well, that just blew them out of the water. They couldn't get that because they didn't understand spiritual things. Hey, but they weren't the only ones that had trouble with it. There were 12 men that were traveling with Jesus who were called men to be his disciples. They were with him day and night as he traveled everywhere he went. They ministered with him. They learned from him. They were the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the disciples struggled to understand this as well, even though Jesus was teaching them about it all the time. Look at Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Let, let me sort of, you know, let me give you the background of this. When Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem, everybody was upset that was following Jesus because they wanted him to go to Rome and overthrow the Roman Empire. They were being oppressed by that godless government, and they wanted Jesus. That's what they saw him and his followers. They said, boy, this, this is the Messiah. This is the king. This is the Lord. This, this is Jesus. We want, you to, we want you to break the back of Rome. And, but Jesus said, no, you, you don't understand. And a couple of Jesus' disciples, James and John, they said, uh, well, and these folks that are giving us trouble, we'll just call fire down from heaven, just destroy them. Now, listen, how would you like to have some brothers in the church like that? <laughs> you know, you think we deal with problems. So now look at what Jesus dealt with. He had two guys that wanted to call fire down from heaven, and destroy people that didn't agree with them. That's, 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 that's pretty strong right there. No wonder those guys were called the sons of thunder. 
James and John. Listen, folks, if you, if you think the disciples of Jesus were a bunch of little namby-pamby, limp-wristed guys that just walked around in their long flowing robes and their sandals following Jesus, you missed it, buddy. These guys could be dangerous. These guys were serious. These guys were tough. And, uh, and Jesus had to correct them. In fact, he had to rebuke them. He said, settle down, James. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't even know what kind of spirit you're displaying when you talk about stuff like that. There's a world of difference in what Elijah did and why he did it compared to this. And I, I won't take time to get off on a sidetrack there, but uh, you can study that out for yourself later. But uh, the, the point here is the disciples struggled with the kingdom message. Um, in fact, they questioned the Lord about the kingdom. Let me give you some more scripture. Matthew 24 and 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age. They had just left the temple. And one of the disciples said to Jesus, said, look at this temple. It's one of the wonders of the world. Look at it. And Jesus said, uh, I'm not really all that carried away with that temple because it's not going to be long till it'll be destroyed. And there won't even be one stone left on another that shall not be torn down. The disciples were aghast. Can't believe it. And yet in 70 AD, Titus led the Roman army into Jerusalem, destroyed that temple, and even plowed up the ground where the temple had been standing. So there was not, that, it was totally fulfilled, completely fulfilled, not a stone left on top of another. But the disciples said, we're confused again. We, we, we in our mind, want to know three things. Ask him, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the world or the end of the age? And so Jesus took time, Matthew 24, the whole chapter is a prophetic chapter. And he tells them what to look for as we end or come to the near the end of time as we know it now. In Luke 19 and 11, now when they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought Look at this, because they thought, the disciples, they thought that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. They still couldn't get it. And so Jesus took time to tell some stories to help them up better understand. They're called parables. And there's a whole bunch of them in the Bible. We call them kingdom parables because they're about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand that the kingdom of God is different from the kingdoms of this world and that, that you're not going to be able to observe it with the eye geographically right now, but you will be later. And, and so he told them these stories, these parables to help them understand how the kingdom of God operated. Now, even after three years plus, three, about three and a half years of teaching his disciples, they saw him go to the cross, saw he was buried, saw him after the resurrection, and then he spent 40 more days with them, teaching them about the kingdom. And yet, even after all of that, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, look at this, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They still don't have it. They, they just don't get it yet. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the father's put in his own authority. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Samaria, Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In other words, Jesus said, no, you're not going to be able to grasp the kingdom in its fullness now, but what I want you to do is go to Jerusalem, stay here in Jerusalem until you get 
baptized with the Holy Spirit because that's the energy, the fire, the power that will give you the ability to live out what you need and to operate in the kingdom. So now, we're still looking for the geographic boundaries. Second point I want to make here is that sometimes definition helps with location. So let's see if we can define the kingdom a little further, and maybe that will help us to understand this mystery of its location. Look at Romans 14, 16, and 17. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, remember, when you see a therefore, you look to see what is therefore. And it always refers to something that's gone on before that. Just before Jesus defines the kingdom, his disciples are in a discussion about some things, and, and in fact, they're passing some judgments that they should not have passed. And so Jesus stops and deals with this judgmentalism because what Jesus is trying to tell them is it may operate, you may operate like that in the world, but you're not going to operate like that in my kingdom. There's no place for judgmentalism in the kingdom of God, among the people of God. So he deals with that. What they'd been arguing about was food that had been offered to idols. Now, that's not much of a problem with us today, but we have other issues that are just as trite and, uh, and silly as some of those. And they, they, were, they were arguing, them, how can a man be a Christian if he eats some food that's been sacrificed to idols before? Well, if Jesus said, look, forget that mess. Good night. If somebody sits down to eat and the food's put before them, they don't know what somebody's prayed over with an idol before then. He said, when you, when you get some food, said, just receive it with thanksgiving, sanctify it with the word of God and prayer and eat it. And don't worry about it. Praise God. I'm so glad that's in the scripture. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. That frees me up to eat bacon. <laughs> Ham and eggs. You know, they, they were all caught up on this food stuff. All of that was under the old covenant and those dietary laws that were given for their health. And, 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 and it's still... You know, if you really want to be a health fanatic, it, you, you could still follow those old dietary laws. They're good. They didn't have the way of processing and cleaning food like we have today. And that's, that's the reason that those, a lot of those um, things were prohibited back then because it, it was dangerous to eat it like, like they, but now things are a whole lot different. I, I give you an example. Did you know that catfish was not legal to eat under the law? there's a place that my wife and I used to go to. My wife loves catfish. And um, there's a particular restaurant that we used to go to. And the best catfish that we found in a um, hundred miles of here. And uh, we, we would eat there. And one day I, the owner of the restaurant was there and I, I just pulled him aside and I asked him, I said, I want you to explain to me why the meat of your catfish is so much better than it is anywhere else I've ever eaten. And he said, because I I raise all my own catfish. I have all these ponds out there. I forgot how many he had. But he said, I clean the bottom of those ponds. I clean those ponds four times a year. So those catfish eat what I feed them. I feed them good food. Now, catfish by nature are bottom feeders. That means they're cleaning up the sewage of all the other fish. Boy, that makes you want some catfish, doesn't it? <laughs> but listen, farm-fed catfish are not like that because they're being fed healthy stuff. Now, they wasn't farm-feeding them back there in Deuteronomy. But praise God, they farm-feeding them in Augusta <laughs> in 2018. So you can eat you some good catfish. And it, and, it, and it will hurt you. 
But, but they were all hung up on that stuff. We, we've got, we've got hang-ups in the body of Christ today. People will argue and get mad and fight and split churches over what day they go to church or what they, what, what, you know, stuff that they observe that's not critical. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's okay to violate the doctrines of the word. It's not. But there's some things about the way we practice things that, that you can just get overboard with. Uh, we used to, when we started off as a denomination, we were pretty fanatical about not wearing any jewelry. And I, I remember one time one of, one of the officials from Cleveland was visiting in, in our home when we still lived on Crawford Avenue. We got in a discussion. We had a lot of fun with it. He, he was good-natured, thank the Lord, but... I was talking about that jewelry thing because we had rescinded that and changed them and let you wear jewelry if you want to wear jewelry. I, I told him, I said, why are we so against jewelry? I said, do you agree with me that in the Old Testament, the, the Israelites in Egypt bondage, they were a type of the church. Egypt was a type of the world. And God delivered the children of Israel, which is a type of church, out of the world performed a miracle, took them across the Red Sea, and led them to the promised land. He said, yeah, yeah, that in typology, you're, you're right on. That's exactly what it means. I said, well, you know, they came, out of, they came out of Egypt with jewelry galore. They just borrowed jewelry from all of their folks. And I said, you know, they never got in trouble with any of that jewelry till they took it off. They took it off and made that stupid molding calf. I said, that's when they got in trouble with their jewelry they'd have been better off they'd have kept wearing it and and like, like i said we laughed over that but but it, it just goes to show you how and, and people would get steamed up and argue and fuss over stuff like that jesus said in my kingdom it's not going to be like that we're not going to argue about that stuff we're not going to judge everybody about that stuff praise god you know brother roger may be able to eat ham Brother Reagan may not. Who cares? Now, Brother Reagan can and does, but I, I'm just using that as an example. But, but, but in the church of that day, they were arguing over those things. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. He said, let me, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is all about. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me I'm not in the kingdom of God because I don't dress the way you want me to dress. I don't have anything against being more casual. If you want to be more casual, praise God. Somebody asked me, he said, why don't, said, don't you know it's, it's, it's a whole lot more hip today to wear um, blue jeans when you preach? Uh, and today it's kind of the end thing right now to wear blue jeans when you preach. Why don't you wear blue jeans? I'll tell you why I don't wear blue jeans. When I was a little boy, I was poor. And, and we lived close enough to where the school district I was in, I went to school with rich kids. And all the rich kids wore real nice slacks. And all I had was blue jeans. And mama always thought I was going to be six foot tall. And so she always bought them so I could grow. Because <laughs> we didn't have money to grow. Back. You, you didn't outgrow stuff. You bought big and, and grew into them. And so I wore rolled up blue jeans until I wore them out. Everybody else had nice slacks. I had blue jeans. I hate blue jeans. I said when I was a little boy, if I ever get on my own where I can buy my own clothes, I will buy me some nice slacks and I won't wear blue jeans. Now, I love, if, if you wear blue jeans, that don't offend me whatsoever. I say more power to you. God bless you. I've got a couple of pair myself. Occasionally, I do wear them just to show that I'm not against people who wear them. It don't offend me when somebody preaches from the pulpit with blue jeans on, but it don't be offended to me if I don't. You know, there, there's no use arguing over stuff like that. It don't make a hill of beans. It don't make any difference. Praise God. When we pray, when we pray like Jesus taught us to pray, when we pray, thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done. What we're praying is for righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost to come into our lives. Praise God. When Jesus said, give him praise, he's worthy. When, when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that's what he's talking about. So when I pray, and I do this daily over my own children, I pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in my children. And what I'm praying for when I say that, I'm praying for righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost to invade their lives and just fill them up. Now, let, let's quickly look at these three words because there are different definitions of them. Righteousness here, the word that Jesus used, means conformity with the claims of a higher authority. Praise God. So when you're praying for the righteousness of God, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. So what you're praying when you pray that, you're saying, Lord, I want the, I want the demands and, and, and the, uh, the authority of a higher power. In other words, God, I want your authority, and I want my life to conform to that, to the authority of God. And let me tell you why this is so wonderful to pray for. Some of you might say, well, I might not want God's authority. Yeah, you really do. Because when you get the authority of God overruling the authority of this world, you're always going to get justice. Oh, glory to God. Some of you are sitting here this morning, you haven't always gotten justice. Some of you have been treated unfairly by your own family. Some of you have been treated unfairly when you were in school. Some of you have been treated unfairly by your boss and the job where you work. But I want to tell you something. When you pray for the righteousness of God, you're praying for your life to conform to the authority of a higher power that will always do what's right and will always render justice. And you can mark it down, friend. Hang on. Stay in the kingdom of God. Don't you dare get out because wherever you've been mistreated, it's going to be straightened out someday by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Glory. (laughs) That's why we don't have to get all upset like people in the world do when things don't go right for us. Because there's coming a day. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And for kingdoms, kids, that's not a judgment to determine whether you go to heaven or hell. You've already determined that when you went to the cross. That's a judgment to determine what rewards you're going to get and what gets straightened out. And wherever you've been mistreated, wherever you've been shortchanged, wherever you... (laughs) Jesus is going to straighten it out. When you pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. You're praying for his righteousness, his righteousness. Turn to your neighbor and say, I believe I like his righteousness. Peace. The peace of the kingdom of God means nothing Uh, It means that that it notes the absence of or the end of strife. What I'm telling you this morning, church, is when we learn to live by the principles of the kingdom of God, we don't have to have strife in our lives. I meet people all the time that live in strife all the time. And I wish I could say that that was just people that live in don't know Jesus but I know people that go to church that have more strife in their home and their family they can't get along husbands and wife are strife striving against each other parents and children striving against each other you know brothers and sisters striving against each other Boy, you can really see that happen if there's a little inheritance somewhere. Oh, my goodness. They can really get upset over what mama left or what daddy left, fighting over this stuff that you're going to leave behind when you die anyway. But you can get all tore up. I've seen families not speak to each other again for years, maybe the rest of their lives. 
because somebody got something that they wanted or they felt like mama left that to them and, and somebody else got it. Strife, strife. Sometimes it happens in church. It shouldn't. Shouldn't be that way among born-again, spirit-filled believers, but sometimes we get in strife. God's not pleased with that. We shouldn't be striving. We're not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness when we do that, right? When we get in strife. We get in strife, we need to pray through and get over it. <laughs> Settle it and go on. Amen? But, but, but there's strife. But when the kingdom of God comes into your life, you don't have to have strife. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful? If, if husbands, when you come in the afternoon, your wife was always waiting for you with arms outstretched with a wonderful attitude, big old smile on her face, waiting for you with a hug and a kiss and saying, welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. And wives, wouldn't it be so wonderful if your husbands came in from work smiling, so happy to see you, big old hug, big old kiss. You mean the world to me. What can I do to help you? What do you want to talk about? How's your day? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Instead of kissing the dog and kicking the cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got news for you. It can be that way. When, when we learn to take authority, see, it, 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 this is what Jesus defined it. He, he said here, he said, he told, told us what it is. Well, well let, let me move quickly. All of this is the, the peace and, and, and the joy. I'll come back to this in just a second. The joy, by the way, is the word rejoicing. In, in um, the kingdom of God, not meat and drink, it's peace, joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That means to rejoice. You can rejoice. If you're, if you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, you need to learn. We all need to learn this. I have to work on it just like you do. But we all need to learn to rejoice in every situation. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. Rejoice always, always in every situation. I don't mean you're happy for everything that happens to you, but you rejoice in everything because you've got a peace in your heart that passes understanding. You've got a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And you know that no matter how tough today is, no matter how hard life is right now, we're on the winning team and we're going to come out on top at the end of this thing. So we should rejoice in everything. We should rejoice. That's a kingdom principle. Rejoice in everything. Somebody cuss you out, just rejoice. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, I got the victory. I'm going where there won't be no cussing. And if he don't get right, he's going where there ain't nothing but cussing. You know, just, just rejoice in the Lord. Just rejoice, praise the Lord in every situation. Now, I've, I've been preaching this whole sermon to come to this third point. Location, location, location. I'm going to locate the kingdom. If you miss everything else, I say, please get this right here because this is it. This is the location of the kingdom of God. It's found in Luke chapter 17, verse 2b. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Let me say it again. Behold. That word behold means give rapt attention to. Listen. If, if you'd have heard Jesus say it, we read that and behold, you know, just like we do the rest. When, when behold, it's, it's, it would be like this. Jesus would say, behold, the kingdom of God is in you. That's, that's the kind of emphasis. That's what that word behold means. It's a shout. It's an explanation. It's, it's something to get your attention. It, it has the same kind of dynamo that, that you would use if your, kid, your child was fixing to run out in the street in front of a car. You'd scream at him, stop. This is what Jesus is saying here. Behold, if you miss everything else, get this. The kingdom of God is within you. That's why the Pharisees and Sadducees and the elders and scribes and all of those doctors of the law could not understand it. They couldn't define it. Jesus told them, doesn't come by observation. You're not going to see a boundary line, a wall or a fence. It's in you. 
So that's right now, the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God's already in this world. It's not something just going to happen in the by and by. It's already here right now, but it's in you. It's in you. It's in you. So you, listen, you and me, you and I, we establish the boundaries of the kingdom of God wherever we go. And we do it by our own choice and our own decision. Now, I mentioned a while ago about the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I talked about strife in the home. I have done this. And the reason I've done it is because I needed some peace. And also because according to the word of God, I have the authority to do this because I'm a king's kid. When my kids was growing up, we had some turbulent times. And um, I've searched the scripture over and over. I, I felt sure that it's in there somewhere where there's an exception to the teenage years. <laughs> but I, but I've, I've, I've not been able to find it. It's, it's, I'm sorry, folks, it's just not in there. <laughs> but I have walked through the door of my house when my wife has called me and said, you need to come home before I kill one of the kids. And I have come home. Listen, we, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. How many of you are born again filled with the Spirit of God? I'm talking to you this morning. I, I, I want you to get it. I'm talking to you. We, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We make a mistake when we let the devil pull us into these conflicts with flesh and blood. Because that's not where the battle is. We're wrestling against principalities and power, spiritual wickedness and high places and all that kind of stuff. And that strife, it's not your wife. It's not your son. It's not your daughter that's behind all of that. It's, the, it's a spirit that gets behind it because the devil wants to disrupt your home. He wants to disrupt your family. He wants to divide you. He wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. So it's, there's a spirit behind this stuff that we're fighting with. That's what makes people get agitated and aggravated and frustrated. I've walked through the door of my house saying, in the powerful, mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I take authority over those spirits that are causing strife in my house right now. And I'm come home, devil, to tell you, get out. You don't belong here. This is not your house. You don't, this doesn't belong to you. God gave me everything I have, and I give him the glory for it. And we dedicated this place to the Lord, and I'm not going to have this atmosphere in my house. It's not going to stay here. You got to go. Praise God. I'm here. You understand what you're doing? You're establishing the dominion of the kingdom of God in the, in the place where you are. If you're filled with the Spirit and you're a king's kid, you've got authority over the area where you will, by faith, take dominion over. So take dominion over it. Kingdom of God's in you. Kingdom of God's in you. Why should I sit here and be overcome with the kingdom of darkness when the kingdom of God is in me? So take dominion. That's why I pray, as I told you a while ago, for righteousness, peace, and joy to come into the lives of my children. I made up my mind when my kids were born, the devil's not going to have them. We didn't have kids to go to hell. We, we, God gave us kids to glorify his name, not our name, his name. His name. And so, we just tell the devil to get his hands off. Praise God. Praise God. We now determine, first of all, the boundaries of the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Secondly, we determine now the boundaries of dominion and authority. Now, you can sit there and let the devil run over you if you want to. Or you can exercise kingdom means it's it's dominion wherever wherever the kingdom of god is there is dominion but you've got to exercise it the devil will run over you if you let him 
but you, you exercise it. Praise God. Some of you are struggling with your finances. You know what you need to do? If you've been born again, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, you have kingdom authority and dominion. And if you're a tither and a giver, you have a promise in the word of God that God would rebuke the devourer for your sake and he would open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing greater than you can even contain. So what you need to do if you're struggling financially and if you're following the principles of God's word as a king's kid, you need to take dominion. You need to, you need to stand up and say, Satan, get your hands off of my money. Get your hands off of my finances. You've stolen from me long enough. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says if you can identify a thief, you can command him to bring back what he stole from you, and you can charge him seven times what he stole from you. You need to tell the devil, get your hands off of my finances. Get them off. Get them off. I belong to Jesus. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I follow the principles of the Word of God related to finances. And I'm calling now for the windows of heaven to open in my behalf. And I prepare myself to receive the blessings of Almighty God. Devil, you might as well get out of the way because it's coming. 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 Praise God. Amen. And you prepare yourself to receive it. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I, I know some of you are looking at me like I got two heads. I've gone out and left field somewhere crazy. But I'm praying today that the Holy Spirit will take these truths and get them so embedded into your heart that you can start living by them. Let me conclude with this. It's time for you and me to begin to reign like kings with Christ in this earth because God's got some great things for us if we will arise and take our dominion I want to read to you again from Romans chapter 5 I read this last week 517 for if by one man's offense death reigned that was Adam through the one much more much more say that with me much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life, not in the sweet by and by when we die after a while, but now shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. The Amplified says we shall reign as kings in life. We shall reign as kings in life. Some of you just need to get a better image of yourself. You need to look in the mirror and say, I am not who my school teacher told me I was. I'm not who my cousin told me I was. I'm not who my brother or my sister told me I was. I'm not who my step-parent told me I was. I'm not who the neighbor next door said I was or I am. I am who God says I am. And I belong to the king. There's royal blood flowing in my veins. I've been reborn. I'm in the family of God. Jesus is my elder brother. And I've got dominion. I've got dominion. I've got dominion. Some of you are going to get a hold of this to the point that eventually faith is going to rise in you. And you're going to tell sickness and disease to take a hike. Because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Infection doesn't have any right to your body. Disease doesn't have any right to your body. Sickness doesn't have any right to your body. Inflammation doesn't have any right to dwell in your body. Tell it to get lost. Praise God. Some of you need to do this right quick because you're fighting the flu. <laughs> If you listen to the news, you'll operate in fear because they'll tell you, this is one of the worst flu seasons there's been in years. And they'll tell you how many people are dying from it. 
And, and if, you, if you're not careful, you'll get, a, you'll get a worldly mindset, and you'll start thinking, oh, my goodness, what's gonna, what am I going to do? I'm afraid I'm going to get the flu. People say things like, I'm afraid I'm going to catch the flu. Why are you chasing it? I don't want to catch it. I don't want anything to do with it. But I'm not afraid of it because the greater one lives inside. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Praise him. The healer lives inside of you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Start speaking the word of God. Start affirming and declaring some of the things that belong to us as children of the king. These are things that belong to the children of the king. Glory to God. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By stripes we're healed. He took our shame. He took our guilt. He took our condemnation. You've got no right. You don't have to live in shame of something in your past or something you did or something somebody did to you. Jesus already bore that. Why are you carrying it? Get rid of it. You don't have to live in guilt and condemnation. Praise God. If you've been to the cross of Calvary and the blood of Jesus has washed your sins away, you're not guilty of anything. (laughs) Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I feel like David did when he said, I feel like I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Folks, this stuff is burning in my spirit. God, God is wanting us to get a hold of it. I, I want to see New Hope get a hold of this to the point that when people walk in here, they can't stay they can't leave unsaved. Just, there'll be so much of the power of the Holy Ghost, they'll just be drawn straight to the altar. I want to see New Hope get a hold of this to the point that people who walk through those doors when they're sick can't remain sick. It just has to go. There's just enough of the power of God here to glory. Glory to God. Just enough of the power of God here that it, that it has to go, that it has to go, that it has to go. And it begins with each of us us the kingdom of god is within you make sure your neighbor gets that turn to your neighbor and say the kingdom of god is within you it's within you you're a walking boundary glory 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 When I was a boy, we lived, we lived down a, we were the only house on this little old dirt road. And sometimes people would drive down that dirt road and turn their lights off and park their car. Most of the time it was some man with somebody else's wife. My daddy would go out with his shotgun and he'd say not on my street not on my street cars would start up real fast and cars would get away in a hurry because we didn't put up with that on our street do you realize that you got more power than my daddy did with his shotgun The devil fears and trembles at the name of Jesus. And we've been given the name of Jesus, power and authority with the name of Jesus. Jesus said, these things that I do show you doing greater things than these because I go to my father. Jesus said, up till this time, you've asked nothing in my name, but now you can ask in my name. I'm giving you the power and authority to use my name, my name. Don't, don't go fighting this in your own name. But the king of this kingdom is Jesus. Use his name. And wherever you go, exercising the authority of that name, you are taking dominion. Taking dominion. I want the prayer team to come quickly. If you're unsaved, come give your heart to Jesus today. If you're away from God, come on home. If you're struggling physically, come this morning and let somebody agree with you in prayer.
We believe what the word says. We believe they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We expect you to get better when we pray for you because the word says so. Amen. We know that by stripes we're healed. We are healed. Not going to be. We are. Healing belongs. It's part of the children's bread. It's yours. You can be healed today. If you're struggling financially, the word says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We prayed people that, with people at this altar that have been out of work for months. And we've seen God do miracles and open new careers and glory to God. In fact, that Friday when, when this delegation was here from South Carolina, we, we, were, we were in Pastor Rogers' office. And one of them, one of them asked him uh, about these homeless people, said, do you, do, you ever, do, you ever, do you ever see any fruit or results? Of <laughs> You'd have to have all day to hear the stories of what God has done. Pastor Roger said, well, let, 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 me, let me just tell you one. He said, one day, he said, my, <clears throat> my wife had a tire that was low, and I didn't have much time, but I, I ran around the corner here to the service station, put some air in her tire, and said, when I got over there, said there was a big old truck pulled right up there in front of the, front of the air thing and a big old trailer on the back of that and a bunch of other vehicles and, and riding lawnmowers pulled out all over the place and weed eaters and everything. They was filling everything up and pumping all the air. And, and he said, he said, I didn't have long. He said, I, I, I got out of my vehicle to go around and tell that guy, can't you get that truck out of here? And, uh, and he said, about the time I rounded the corner, said the guy just leaped out of that truck and grabbed me and said, Pastor Roger, Pastor Roger, you remember who I am? He said, I'm, I'm one of the homeless guys at the bridge that came to know Jesus. He got a hold of those kingdom principles. Pastor Roger said, man, I'm so glad. said, praise God. I thank God you've got a job. He said, got a job. He said, this is my company. He said, these trucks and all this equipment and all these riding lawnmowers and all this stuff belongs to me. It's my company. That's kingdom dominion, church. That's rising up out of your glory to God. That's arising out of your situation and declaring the principles of God's word and taking dominion. And walking in a brand, glory to God, glory to God. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited this morning because I know my heavenly father right now is looking over the boundaries of glory at people at New Hope and said, I'll do it for you. I'm no respecter person. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. I got a brother right over here that, 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 uh, that one of these Sunday mornings, I'm going I'm to get his testimony up here of how God has blessed him. And, and his family. It, 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 it just amazing testimony. Testimonies all over this room that would encourage you. But some of you, you just need to get a hold of it this morning. Maybe today is your day. Your day when you're going to say, I'm going to exercise my faith. I'm going after it. The altar's open. Come on and pray. If you need something from God, come on. The altar's open. The altar's open. Brother Steve's going to lead us in a song. And if you, if you need anything from God, just come on down here today and believe God for it. If you need to get saved, get saved. If you need the Holy Spirit, come down here and believe God. He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. If you need to get healed, come get healed. If you need victory in an area of life, deliverance, whatever you need, God bless you as you pray. Lead